On today's show, our guest is Nikki Hammond. I'm so pleased that Nikki's on the show today as she's doing some of the most important work that can be done as a life coach. Nikki works with new expat mums and helps them to find their true purpose and meaning. Like all parents with new children that arrive into a family unit, it can be a testing time and even more so for an expat mum with little or no support network to assist. Nikki has lived that life herself. She knows exactly how it feels to be abroad as a mum and with no network or family to support her, but she also knows exactly how to break free of that self-imposed isolation that we can all sometimes feel as new parents. Her work is so important and it tackles the tricky issues surrounding parenting and personal ambition. Nikki is not only an expert coach, she has a pretty epic goal in story to match as well. I'm excited she's here, so please help me in welcoming Nikki Hammond. Hey, are you totally committed? Are you playing full out? Are you all in? Hi, my name is Robert Brass and this is the Go All In Podcast. Join me as we explore amazing stories of success, heartache and absolute triumph by those who have gone all in. I'm glad you're here, so let's get to it and do whatever it takes to go all in and create the life of your dreams. G'day, Nikki. Welcome to the Go All In Podcast. It's really great to have you on the show. It's been a bit of an effort to coordinate calendars, but here we are. Welcome. Thank you very much. Right, I'd like to start off all of my shows with a little quick get-to-know-you quiz. I'll calm some nerves down a little bit. Maybe your friends and family listening at home will learn something about you that they don't already know. you just got to tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Ready? Okay, go ahead. All right, it's a bit random. No particular order. It's a bit of fun. Tell me, can you sing? No, that's an interesting story. I, 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 I grew up. It is. <laughs> so I grew up in a family without much music, and oh. I always believed that I couldn't sing because of that. Yeah. And sort of embracing this coaching mentality, I realised that like blaming others just doesn't work. And I've had many years to learn how to sing. Oh. And so whilst I cannot sing, I sing to my kids to sleep every night now because yeah. I just love it. I just enjoy it. But my husband often tells me that I still can't sing. <laughs> You <laughs> Can you play an instrument? I learnt classical guitar when I was in high school, but yeah, these days I pick up a ukulele and do it very badly. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, what was your first car? Oh, my husband and I shared sort of cars until we got a Prius C. So oh yeah, God, that was probably my first car. About someone's personality driving around it up Prius. <laughs> I'll let the audience decide what those preconceived (laughs) ideas are. Yeah, we haven't bought another Prius since then, let's say, and we're still waiting for a Tesla, waiting till we can get a Tesla. (laughs) I think think there's a a large percentage of the population waiting for one of those electric cars. Everyone liked the idea of it, but the prices seem okay. It's just a matter of getting them in country and making it happen, right? That's right, yeah. Tell me, can you ride a motorbike? No, I don't. Have you ever been skydiving? No, no. Scuba diving. No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to get you out. I've got to get you out of all of these things. You can come riding on a bike with me. We'll go skydiving. We'll go scuba diving. Yeah, yeah sounds fun. good. Sounds good. I've been on the back of a motorbike, but yeah. I haven't ridden on myself. Yeah. Awesome. All right, serious one. For meditation or contemplation? I prefer contemplation. Yeah. I love contemplating. I, I do meditate but I find it difficult to do. My brain runs at 100 miles an hour and I love contemplating and thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I think contemplating is 
is just think about that one thing, concentrate, take it to its end. Mm-hmm. All right, serious podcast and question, serious kind of show. If you had uh, 10 minutes that you could go back in time and visit anybody, who would you visit? What would you say? You only got 10 minutes. Wow. I would probably go back in time and visit Oscar Wilde just because I feel like Never had that, that one. No, but it's just such an era which is interesting. And the way that he writes must mean, well, I don't know. I would find out whether they talk like that in, in real life, like having these witty, intelligent conversations where, you know, everything seems like a quote or whether he's just some regular guy. What fun, yeah? I love it. I love it. I think he's probably just a regular guy. He's great with language, we reckon. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? That's the idea, right? Well, well, look, thanks for sharing that, Nikki, with us. Nikki, there's a little bit of fun to kick it all off. Well, people come on over to the Goalin podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in. So if you could, mate, could you please share with us your biggest Goalin story or stories? Like sure. I've been thinking about that, and I think there are probably two stories. I really question whether I've ever gone all in previously. Okay because I've always had reservations about what if I fail? What if I don't do it well enough? So the two times in my mind that I've gone all in, one would be parenthood where I went completely all in. But you got to- no choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, you know, go ahead. <laughs> and, and the other one would be my business right now. Yeah. And going all in, I think, means something a little bit different to me since starting... Uh, learning about the coaching concepts that I learn about and previously going all in would mean that it was going and doing everything that I possibly could but the major goal was to meet you know to to reach whatever goal that might be like be the perfect mum in order to be something so in order to meet my needs to prove something to myself but right now going in on my business, I'm really working on going all in for me and not because I think that I'm going to be a better person at the end of it or it's going to even feel better really. It's fun. It's great. But really go all in because of who I become in the process. Yeah. yeah that's, that's beautifully said and, and I would have to agree with you and I think that the parents out there listening agree as well that being a parent is the biggest go all in of all. And, you know, if you talk to parents that are a little bit older, kids have grown up and left, they're still all in on their kids at the same time. You never stop being a parent. You never stop those things. And you want the very best you can for them as well. It's a bit of an interesting dichotomy that you talk about how going all in and parenting and you're kind of comparing that to the own goals that you set for yourself. I mean, when was it that you decided that you wanted to get into this coaching thing and be a business coach and a life coach and make all that happen for yourself? I actually found out about life coaching when I was about 21. And so that was way back when life coaching was not a big thing. And I heard about it and thought, I really want to do that because I feel like in other people's lives, I like to help them find out what they really want to do and help them to get there. And it took me, you know, 20 years to get to the place where I thought I was ready. And I think that's irrelevant now. But, you know, when I finally believed that I had that life experience to help other people find out what they want and help them, like, achieve that, then I decided that I wanted to be a life coach. Yeah. Why did it take you such a long time? I think it was just the self-doubt, definitely. It was self-doubt. It was, and now? And now, now I know that self-doubt just is there, like that we can't humanly 
do anything without, you know, our brain, which is keeping us alive, telling us sometimes like, that's going to be hard. Maybe you can't do it. And then I expect that to happen. And so I do it anyway, because I'm so passionate about, you know, making a business, helping other mums, growing that and, and becoming like a person that, you know, it can be an example to other people as well. Yeah. It's really interesting that you say that self-doubt and, and we all have that, we all feel that and the concept behind going all in is just about making a decision to do something, to dive in and have a crack at it. And I was talking to a lady on a different interview a couple of weeks ago and she was telling me that she had this and she wanted to write this cookbook, cooking and, and food was her passion and it was her whole life and her whole business revolves around that now and catering and teaching and it's really interesting. But she had this cookbook in her for 35 years a very, very long time that she'd had this passion for cooking and for food and for this type of business doing it life. And it took her that amount of time to gather enough courses, gather enough confidence. And she was saying to me that she was never confident enough to get there because she didn't feel like she had enough credentials behind her. She needed just one more course, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Is that something that happened to you as well? You just needed a little bit more or was it... Did you just dive in and have a crack at it once you, you realised what it was? It was absolutely what I was thinking, but it was more like I need more life experience. And right. it wasn't until I found this one podcast that absolutely changed everything. And so I found my teacher, her name is Brooke Castillo, and her podcast is a life coach school. And she teaches all of her material and concepts there. And I swear to God, that podcast changed my life and that's when I realized I realized because we don't realize what we're doing we do it on automatic it's our default and then I realized what I was doing and I just went you know what I can do this and then I had you know by just managing what my thoughts were I realized that I had the capacity to build a business if I wanted to so I just chose just go out and do it you got to start somewhere just take action yeah why do you think that you hadn't heard those things before I'm sure people had said those things to you before but it wasn't until you heard that on a podcast and you heard this woman and, and it really connected with you and resonated with you. Why do you think you hadn't heard that before? I think Not it was listening? before. No, I think that I was skeptical because, and this is, I grew up with a lot of people comp- like, you know, my mum just trying to give me lots of, support and which was great but so much so when we get carried away by complimenting others and the compliments kind of you just think oh is that real so I didn't really have that self-belief because I was kind of like well you just say that you know people say nice things so I didn't really believe in myself but the way that Brooke get talked about it was about with science as well She, she talked about how the brain worked and she talked about things that just resonated so much with me that yeah, I don't know. It's just, I guess we all have a person who can come into our life and when they say it in a certain way, it just resonates, doesn't it? We all have that. We all have that. When the student is ready, the master will appear. That's right. right. I know. And then every time you hear it again and again, it just means something a bit different. Like you add meaning to it as you develop. Yeah. These cheesy cliche sayings, but they're true. And, so and true. it gives you the meaning that you give to it is the meaning that is associated with what is that. You, I mean, was it, a, was it a confidence thing for you or was it a fear thing? Oh, it was really a confidence thing, yeah. yeah. Because you don't strike me as somebody that's not confident. I've done a lot. Like, I've done a lot. And I think what happens is we have confidence in certain areas of our life. 
So, you know, I, I knew that I could be academic. So I'd done the degrees and I'd sort of tick that box. But then in the real world, like the working world, I mean, the truth is only a year and a half ago, I was working part-time in a council job, like as a community development officer. And it was the exact same role and same pay as I'd had 15 years earlier. You know, and this is what we do. Like we go to our past to find evidence of what is possible. And that's what I did. Like I just didn't know how to push beyond that capacity because my self-belief was so small. So, yeah, it's interesting. So I had, and, and even when I, I tried, you know, we did different businesses and stuff and well, I did it on my own sometimes. And just having those experiences, I look back now and realise that I wasn't going all in, that I didn't have that confidence in myself or what I could achieve. And that's just flipped now. Now I'm, I'm like, yeah, I can do this. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you know, I kind of wanted to spend a little bit of time in there and, and talk about that a bit because, you're not the only person in the world feeling those things and, and feeling like that. And you, sometimes you feel isolated like that as well because you know, nobody else can be feeling that. Look at all these people that are successful and you find yourself comparing yourself to everybody else. When you finally decided after hearing the podcast and finding a new mentor and doing all of that, your story develops really rapidly. Right? You went all in at that point. Tell us a little bit about that because that's kind of cool. So... Basically, doing the life coaching work that I do, it's all about thought work. And so you can upscale or like up level like your self-belief very quickly by simply by and and simply by changing your thoughts. So that's how it works. And so I guess I don't even know how to describe the the journey. I guess the journey was to me sort of seems a bit seamless now looking back on it it was just basically me I had not been away from my children overnight for like four years so I'd just been my brain was in protective mum mode and when my husband had said to me why don't you go and do this course and you know that's something you love you don't have to wait two years because that was what we were thinking wait two years to, to the kids are at school just go do it and suddenly some something like a switch flicked in me and when I realized that nothing's going to break and everything's going to be okay if I step away from this role of being the mum of these boys, like, you know, for 10 days and I could be my own person. So I think at that point that was really transformative, like going and doing that six days in person in America Mm -hmm. and studying life coaching and doing that personal work. And then from that point onwards, I'm a very driven person. So it seems almost automatic that, I would take and and to make my dreams come true. And in actual fact, the main um, work that I do at the moment mentally is to maintain like, you know, you don't have to do that to prove anything to yourself. You're absolutely enough without doing it. Just enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. That's the journey that I'm on right now. And that's like, you know, as you go, you you meet people, you get great opportunities like coming onto this podcast or, um, you know, yeah, it just just kind of rolls. It happens once the momentum starts. That's that's fantastic. And and that's it, right? It's just a decision to actually can make one decision it can change absolutely everything and that's, you really do embody that go philosophy to an end because you had to you had to make a decision to leave your kids you hadn't did, didn't do any of that previously and just went and did go well and look at what happened on the other side it came out you're a different person you're better for it tell me about your business how long did it take before you got your first couple of clients and you started to get a little bit of traction when you came back from the states Right. Um, so I'm still in that mode, like I'm still building and it's taken from certifying as a coach and it's been 
a year now since I certified. So it's our anniversary. And so the first six to nine months was really me training and, and getting really good at, at coaching. Like I really wanted to hone those skills and coaching is an art form. Yeah, and absolutely. so, and, and since then now I'm just building and marketing and which is a totally different world because you end up being these two people, you become an entrepreneur and mm-hmm. you're also the technician. Yeah. And so this is a really interesting process for me to go to. And I've set myself the goal within this financial year that I want to earn like $100,000. Mm-hmm. And um, I put that out there because I think that if we say what our goals are, then we, we step into a belief. And the first time we say what we're going to achieve and it feels really bad, and I call this the river of misery, you feel like, you know, panicking and shocked and everything. But when we, when we remind ourselves and we put it out there in the world and we, we believe that that's going to happen and you do have to have that self-belief before you can actually achieve it. And so I'm in that place now. Like I don't, I feel like my mind is in this place where I've got this thriving hundred thousand dollar business, you know, but I'm not there yet. But that's what we can do as humans is actually teach our brain to already be in that place. We can kind of trick our brain into thinking that we're already there. And by having that self-belief, we then take actions um, as though we were already that person. And so that's part of what I teach. Yeah. It's a really interesting thing that happens. It's like fear and you get scared when you set a goal like that. And when you say that out loud, it it creates accountability. You say in a public forum where I'm reporting you and I'm going to put it out to thousands of people that are going to listen to this. Now you're accountable to And I think the funny thing that happens is the reason you're scared of it is because it requires a lot of work. And that that work is like, am I going to fit all that in? How am I going to get those people? How am I going to get those leads? Then you go into that mode of how are you going to do it? And that's what's scary. And I think some people get turned off by, oh, it's just too hard. I'm just not not going to do anything like that. I think in some ways your goal's too small. I think you need to have a bigger goal. You should have like a quarter of a million dollar goal in the circuit and make it really scary. And then if you come up a little bit short, you hit up against 200 grand, you'll be happy. You know, if you come up 50 And that's, that's for me personally, that's been my process in goal setting is I just set these really, really big, ridiculous goals and I just aim as high as I can and just go as hard as I can. And if it comes up short, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. That, 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 that forces me to go all in and get into it. That's a really good way to describe it and, and the way you describe it. I love that philosophy. And I think the other thing that scares people is like what they're going to feel if they fail. So it's like they're going to feel shame and embarrassment because they told all these people. And then what are other people going to think about me, you know? And so if we can train our mind to like go to the place where we're like, okay, that might happen. And what am I, am I going to make it mean that I'm a failure or can I just make it mean about me that I put in my absolute and I, it's not that I didn't fail because you don't fail unless you stop trying. It's just that yeah. I got the date wrong, right? You got the date wrong. So you just push the date back. <laughs> why, do, why do you think people worry so much about what other people think about it? What's your take on that? I think it's primal. I really think that it was back in the day and, you know, 200,000 years ago and for so many, you know, so much of our time as we evolved as human beings, we've lived in packs in small like small groups and tribes of 40 people and if you were to say i'm sorry you've you've just offended our entire tribe you're out on your own it meant certain deaths do you know what i mean like it meant that you're gonna be attacked by a tiger Mm. so 
now our brain, our primitive brain or our lower brain is still evolved to think in that way. And luckily we have a prefrontal cortex and they can help us rationalize that actually us being ostracized socially doesn't mean certain death. Yes, it might feel shameful or embarrassing or disappointing or, or rejection. You know, we might feel those difficult emotions, but in real life it doesn't mean death. And we can remind ourselves that we're just feeling. Yeah. Why do you think some people don't feel that stuff at all? I've never really been wanting to, to be bothered by what other people think. I just do my own thing and I'm going to do it anyway. Like, you know, there's, there's a saying out there, again, it's a bit of a cheesy cliche saying, but a man's going to do what a man's going to do no matter what. And I feel like I do that and don't really care. Do you, do you think that that's a primal thing? I think that you were, for some reason, when you were a young person, you trained your brain in that way. And so all a thought is is a neural pathway and you have one thought. And then if we think that thought over and over again, it becomes automatic. So our belief systems are based on just a thought that we've thought once. And so what I believe is that when you were possibly a young boy, um, you trained your brain into not having those self-critical thoughts or having thoughts which are maybe created, you know, with your prefrontal cortex constantly that were, I can do this. Like, I don't care what those people think about me because I care about myself. Or maybe your parents, you know, gave that to you, those thoughts. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, it's a, how you're kind of brought up as well. I played a lot of sport when I was a kid and I competed in a lot of different things when I was younger as well. And, you know, the commitment that's required when you do solo-based sports, not necessarily team-based sports. I did a bit of triathlon when I was young in terms of feeling the team. And that, there's no team there. It's all up to you. And you just got to have a go at it. You've got to see what happens. You've got to participate in it and just go for it. And I think that's kind of held me a lot in my life. And the military kind of helped me with that as well because you've got to do stuff in order to be told to turn up, to iron your clothes, to be here to do that. And it's just something that you do and it's carried with me my whole life. And I think it's been advantageous to me. Not that it sometimes doesn't get in the way, um, but it's certainly... So, I mean, you work with work a lot with mums, right? You're in that space, which is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that, the types of coaching uh, business. So I work with stay-at-home expat mums and... The reason why I work with expats is because I've done a lot of traveling myself for living and working and studying overseas. So I know the mindset of like feeling disconnected from family and being a mum, we go into this sort of mum, you know, land where we want to dedicate ourselves to our children. But what I, what I help mums do is to realize that you're doing a better job like as a mum, investing more energy and more time, which is what I was doing, trying to be a better mum, that can't be the only way to do it. And so there is relief from that. And you can believe that you're the absolutely the best mum you can be. But when you take a step back and look after yourself, like honestly, when, you ta- when you're able to look after yourself and make yourself a priority, that's when you have more to give others. And when you look at holistic mental health, so mental well-being, and if you look into like positive psychology theory, we need to be able to have, you know, a sense of purpose and uh, a sense of personal growth. And if we're relying just on the fact that we're a stay-at-home mum, then I feel like that's setting ourselves up for, you know, a difficult transition. One, when our kids go, but also that, you know, as a, as a mum, I feel like for me, I felt very one-dimensional. And some mums, you talk to them and they're like, I feel like I've lost something that I had before children. So mm-hmm. whether that's 
be a purpose outside of being a mum or being, um, you know, something that they can strive towards and really get their teeth into. And that's what I love helping mums do because you have this, this feeling beforehand was sort of an emptiness, a lack, a sort of what, what if, you know, what if I did something amazing? And there's, the time hasn't run out. It's not too late. That's why I like telling mums and some mums are saying, I'm too old. I'm like, no, 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 there's no too old. I just do something and, and maybe the passionate thing that you know your life was meant to do, you, you feel like you're, you're supposed to do in life is not right this second. Like you can't find it right this moment, but you're never going to find it if you never take action and give something a go. So you just get closer and closer to that. Yeah. That's, that's beautifully said. And, and I think what you do is really super important as well. You know, I'm, I'm a dad to three kids and I, and I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's very, very hard for women uh, at home with small children and, and usually that's the case usually they're the people that are after the kids and they're doing that for an extended period of and even if it's not an extended period of time if it's just sort of six or nine months and then they go back to work even then you lose a little piece of yourself because it's such a busy time in people's lives with small babies and then grow bigger and it just takes so much damn time that you forget to actually go and do the things that you want to do and you're, you're quite right, you do lose a little piece of yourself in there. Tell me, it must be fun to help people discover a little piece of themselves. Yeah, it is. It's really nice. It's those really breakthroughs? Nice. Yeah. Tell me about some of those breakthroughs. I feel like for some women, it's almost just like giving them permission to say that they're enough. Like I had this philosophy where I believe that a newborn baby is born worthy. And a baby doesn't lose its worthiness over time. And so everyone, whether that person out there like did something wrong and they killed someone, we're all worthy. But even just giving a person, a mum permission, you know, to say, I am worthy. It's like, like from that basis, the action you are going to take from feeling worthy is so much more powerful than I'm not worthy. And that's one of those belief systems that live and they are automatic and we don't know that it's sitting there. And so that's a lot of the work that I do is to look at those belief systems that are so automatic that um, we don't even notice that we're thinking them anymore. Um, do you find yourself having to un unpick their thinking like that? You know, if someone's been an expat mum for the last two years, that becomes systemic and ingrained in somebody's personality and it makes it really hard for you to kind of, it's easy for you to sit there on the outside and say that when they're feeling completely different after two years. It's really hard. How do you how do you get at the core of that? How do you help them have that breakthrough? It's it's as a life coach, I hold the space, so I don't treat my clients as friends. I do it very, from a very neutral place, and I just ask questions. And I teach I actually teach the skill of self coaching. So I teach the mums how to coach themselves. And so all you really have to do is ask very good questions. And we're so commonly ask ourselves bad questions. Like if we ask ourselves why did that go wrong? Our brain is going to go to work because it's so clever and tell us the 10 reasons why that went wrong. So when I ask the questions and it's often, it's just like, why do you think that? So, and then my, the question that we all need to ask ourselves is what are you making that mean about you? Because yeah. the underlying thought is that everything that happens in our life that brings us some kind of emotion is because we're making that thing mean something about us. And so when we ask ourselves that question, even just getting, just being aware of that thought already changes the power of that thought. Yeah. Well, that's beautifully, beautifully said and beautifully articulated as well. So well done. Thank you for sharing that. Is there something that you share with people to help them from a physical perspective as well? You know, like 
if you're feeling a little bit down or you're feeling like it's all a bit overwhelming and everybody feels like that from the time, particularly mums, particularly mums that are staying at home constantly, that's the only thing that you're doing. Something that you help them with is good or that you recommend? <laughs> I would start with feelings. So I would teach them all about feelings. And the first thing that I want to say about feelings is that we have this expectation that we should be happy all the time. And that's just wrong. So like basically like half the time we're going to feel not so great. And once we can acknowledge that and instead of resisting, so this is what we do with feelings. We're like, no, I don't want that feeling to happen because it feels nasty. But if you just accept it and allow that feeling, that's the first step to let take off. You're automatically going to release a layer of unnecessary discomfort. And then I teach um, mums how to process their feelings. So when, if I talk about feelings, an analogy would be that when we repress feelings, we like, it's like pushing a beach ball under the water and it disappears for some time. So we're like, oh, but then it comes back up. And, you know, like a beach ball out of the water, it like pops up. Yeah. Yeah, it usually comes up with anxiety or anger. And you mentioned overwhelm as well. And overwhelm is something that doesn't even have to be there. But the thing that I teach mums is like if we can process our feelings, which literally just means allow them to be there and investigating the, the emotion in their body. Mm-hmm. So like saying where is the feeling? And a, a feeling is just a vibration in our body. It doesn't kill us. It doesn't actually harm us. Like l- allow the feeling to be there. And if we allow the feeling to be there, like then, and we kind of get used to it. And when you can get to the point and you can embrace emotion, and I'm guessing, Rob, this is what you do. You're like, hey, there is self-doubt, bring it on. You know, there is lead, a hard, yeah, like, yeah, there's like hard to do, bring it on. Like, you know, and once they can get to that point, because we can all get to that point of saying, that's just a feeling. And then I can do that. You can do anything. Because the only thing in the world that's holding us back from getting what we want is our our fear of experience of feeling. Mm-hmm. It's really, really interesting how, because you don't really do that. You don't really acknowledge the feelings that you have and it's just something that happens through your day. You get upset with something or you feel happy about something, but you don't really take a second to, to stop and be more mindful of One thing I've been doing uh, a lot recently, I've been talking about it on some other podcasts and shows with other people is uh, a lot of whole stuff um, and quiet these names are uh, Wim Hof Dutch guy if you've never heard of him look him up Google him he holds like 20 swimming in cold water in ice and he uses a breathing technique which really is just hyperventilating yourself and you do that breathing technique so to oxygenate your, your blood and your body and then you go into the cold water and when you go into the cold water all of course all of your blood vessels constrict and all the blood in your body and because you've, you've done the breathing technique for it you're Oxygen levels higher and it alkalizes your blood, and you're in the cold water. And your time in, in Sydney, um, going out at eight, nine o'clock at night, doing the breathing technique in a pair of shorts, freezing, and then going in the cold water is a real, it's a real shock to your system and it's a real shock to your body. And it's a really great way to sharpen the focus of what really matters in life. Because when you're cold like that, and when you have that physical cold that's there and you do that for an extended period of time it's really not much space in your mind to think about anything else and I feel like it's in some ways it's like pressing control on your computer open up the task manager on windows and just press the reset button and it really does reset start of the day and the end of the day if you can bookend both you know, twice a day like that, it's really cool. But it's not just about going in the water and experiencing the cold water. You stay in there for like half an hour. 
and you come out and you're shivering about the, what happens to you from a physiological perspective and what happens to hormones in your brain and your mind. You just feel really, really different. And after you do it for a couple of weeks, because it feels like, all right, I've had a hell of a day. I'm going to go down there. It's freezing cold. It's raining. I'm going outside. I'll go and do it. Maybe it's an extreme version of doing something, but it's a um, physiological aspect of um, what I'm describing kind of translates really strongly into um, what you're talking about from being more yeah. Have you tried the cold water stuff? I, I, do, I go to the gym and I've gone into the cold water, but not for 30 minutes. We've got to get you down to Cronulla and you can come and do it with us. And you do the podcast that way. <laughs> you know, though, I've just started doing a Japanese yoga and it's a really similar mindset that I feel like I come out of after the hour and a half or sometimes mm-hmm. of yoga. Um, and it's the kind of yoga that's very intensive. And I go so far into my physical extreme that afterwards there's this, this relief in my mind and relief in my body. So it sounds similar. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's really important that you discover something like that that works for you in, in life, what, whatever that is, whether that's going in a swimming at night time in, in Sydney in the cold water or it's, it's going to yoga or to the gym or something like that. I think it's super important for your mental health for you to take that time each day, half an hour, hour, to repress that reset button and, and do it media free. I, I always say do it media free or do it with somebody else and get that human to human contact when you're experiencing something together. But you're not listening to a podcast while you're doing it or you're not listening to music. It's just completely without media and it's the, it's the you time, me time. You promote that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So... I th- yeah, like you say, I, 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 when, I, when I coach mums, I sort of say to them, how can you get me time? And like, how would you, what would you do in that time? And then I help them create time, which is basically so just making it. it a priority in yeah. order to, to, to create that. Mm-hmm. And we can because we get overwhelmed. We think that there's so much in life that we have to do. But the truth is, there's nothing we have to do. That's really the truth. Like we don't, we don't have to feed our children. As crazy as that is, we don't have to feed our children. There will be a consequence. <laughs> crazy children. But but really, we don't have to pay our bills. We don't have to do anything of that. But like, and when you come from that place of choice, it's so much more powerful. But absolutely, and I think you know, I recently went to a parenting conference, and one of the things I was saying: get your kids outside. You know, I don't teach parenting. That's not what I do. But I absolutely, as a mum, say get your kids climbing trees, like doing all the stuff that, you know, we grew up doing and get them off those screens. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and sometimes that, that me time as a mum, it's, sometimes it's not possible to do that for an hour by yourself. Not possible. And from a physiological perspective and where you are, your circumstance doesn't allow you to do that. But if you do that with your kids outside, media free. Really yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a really interesting uh, conversation and some great points in there, Nikki. Thank you so much for sharing all that with us. Tell me, what's coming down the pipeline for you? Ooh, I'm actually starting a master coach training next. So I'm going to become a master coach, which is very exciting with the same school that I trained with as a coach. I'm organizing a little event, my first event um, with the mum tribe that I work with and local mums in the Northern Beaches area. And yeah, and just keep on growing and, and doing business and I just I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Sounds exciting. Sounds really cool. Tell me as a busy mum yourself and, and running your business, what are some of your daily non-negotiables? What do you do every day to keep yourself super mum on the other end of the call? 
Yeah. So my non-negotiables would be in a, on a daily basis, I actually do Qigong every morning, which is a kind of meditation Tai Chi. Like I get up and I do that and I self-coach. So it means like the self-coaching I teach, I do it to myself. So at least 10 minutes of like sitting down, it's just even just journaling is a great thing to do, but that's sort of a, a form of journaling and managing my mind. And then in terms of daily stuff, I wouldn't say, but in my weekly practice, then I get to the gym three times a week. And once a month, I make sure I have a catch up with a good friend. So even though I only get, I get three days when my, both my children are at, at school and I have, but I still factor in like some time to like connect with friends or, you know, spend time with the family and make that a priority as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mission critical to stay in touch yeah. with those people as well. Well, if people want to connect with you, Nikki, and find out more about you, how can they do that? I am on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Nikki Hammond underscore life coaching. I'm on Facebook and I've got a website, www.nikkihammondlifecoaching.com. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure all of those links are included in the show notes. And that just about wraps up uh, the Goal In podcast for today. If you haven't already subscribed to the Goal In show, open your favorite podcasting app and hit that subscribe button for us. If you like what you heard today, don't forget to leave us a review. And by the way, don't forget to come on over and join us in the Facebook group as well. Just look for Goal In in the Facebook as well. Well, that's it for the show today. Thanks again for coming on, Nikki, and we look forward to speaking with you soon. Bye now. Thank you.